Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Okay, let's look at this incredible promise. And we see this promise in the book of Ruth. And let's look at it. Beginning with Ruth chapter 2, the Bible says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, and the family of Elimelech, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Now let me go into the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said, Go, my daughter. And she went and she came. Say it with me. She went and she came. She went and she came and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now watch this miraculous moment with destiny. And her hap was to light upon the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, the Bible's not just telling us this so we know it happened. What is happening here in this first supernatural secret of how God orchestrates and coordinates our destinies in the supernatural seasons of the biblical feasts is that, is that Ruth, beloved saints, was doing acts of hesed. When she arrived in the Holy Land, in order to spare Naomi the humiliation of having to go into the fields, especially at her age, and in order for Naomi not to be lowered to that position after her incredible um, reputation of being the wife of Elimelech, of being from a family of such aristocracy in Bethlehem. Her husband, a judge. Her husband, a mighty man of wealth, along with Boaz, who was his kin. In one place, it says Boaz, our brother. So it's we do not know if he was actually the real brother of Boaz or, or if he was so close that he was called a brother. But we do know that that family of wealth and now to be reduced to going into the field to pick Paya, you know, and to pick Laquette. Laquette was when God, uh, during the time of harvest, would allow the sheaves to fall out of the hands of the hired reapers to the ground. And the poor would have permission by God to go into the field to pick up the sheaves that the reapers that were the paid laborers would drop to the ground and they could keep it so that the poor would be able to reap along with the wealthy so that during the feasts, the biblical feasts, everybody is partaking. Isn't that glorious? And so in, in the acts of hesed and humility, the Bible says she went and she came. It didn't, that is not going on just one time. The whole entire day, she went and she came. She went and she came. So she went from her house into the fields um, to labor. Then she went back to the house and continued throughout the day, delivering the seed and delivering the, um, the kernels of wheat that she gathered 
all day long. And I'm going to tell you, this leads us to the to this beautiful, incredible um, scripture that the Bible says in second part of verse three, her hap was to light upon the part of the field belonging to Boaz, her destiny. Okay, so walking in Hesed brings us into our destiny. That's why we cannot afford for one minute to live selfish lives. We have to live lives of pouring out for others. We have to live lives that we're going to give ourselves as living sacrifices. And in this case, destiny took over. Can you see that? Her, her hap was to light upon the part of the field of belonging to Boaz. So divine providence, remember, this is the season of Shavuot. Say it with me. These are during the 49 days of destiny. And this is during the season of Shavuot. So turn to somebody and say, do you think it's an accident? And do you think it's coincidence that during Shavuot and during the time of Shavuot, she comes to the field of Boaz? I don't think so. That is something that has been heavenly orchestrated and coordinated so that her destiny and her purpose meet together. Because during the biblical feast, God does something miraculous with our destinies. He causes us to alight upon that which belongs to us. Hallelujah. So we see that first power principle the coordination, hallelujah, that God is coordinating and orchestrating our destiny. And secondly, we see when Hesed is increased, destiny is released. Say it with me. When Hesed is increased, destiny is released. And we find this for every person in the scripture that that is a, a person that gives hesed and that shows hesed to others. Hesed, for the sake of those who do not know what that is, it's selfless love in action. All right. Sacrificial love in action in this case. All right. Let's see the second supernatural secret of divine providence revealed in the book of Ruth. We're going to see, beloved saints, uh, this third power principle. And this third power, pr power principle is really promotion for your devotion. Say it with me. Promotion for your devotion. For your devotion to Hesed. Say it with me. For your devotion to Hesed. Now she's in the field. It's very obvious she's a pauper. She is going into that field, in, into the place, not as a hired worker, but as someone who's going into the field who's going to pick up the gleanings of the hired workers. So that means when the hired workers are carrying their wheat and it drops to the ground, Ruth is going to be behind the hired workers picking up that laquette, that's that wheat that drops to the ground so she can bring it home to Naomi. And I want you to know that there is a power principle here because here we are seeing, dear, dear people of God, there will be promotion for your devotion. And during the time of the biblical feast, and remember, this is during the 49 days of destiny. This is not during a secular segment of time. We are going to see that within days it will be Pentecost. And on Pentecost, another miracle happens to Ruth. It's not an accident. Hello, somebody. Nothing is coincidence. It is divinely orchestrated and supernaturally coordinated by heaven, by the hand of heaven. 
Do you see Ruth even trying to make this happen? No, it's happening by the hand of heaven. Say this with me. God, I claim that tonight for my own destiny, that it will just happen. Amen. And so here we see, beloved saints, here we see as we continue in the context that sh there's going to be unbelievable favor that's going to come to Ruth. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, and behold, verse four, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered and said, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant that was over the reapers, whose damsel is this? Now, wait a minute. Hold on. Do you realize how unusual this is? We read it and we just read it. And we just think, oh, wow, he's just inquiring. Maybe he thinks, you know, Ruth is beautiful. Number one, the Bible doesn't even tell us what Ruth looks like because the Bible does not want us to actually equate Boaz's interest in Ruth based on her beauty. It's based on providence. It's based on reward. It's based on receiving uh, what, sowing what you, sowing and reaping. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. amen. Say this with me. This is the season of supernatural sheep. How many of you believe it with all of your heart? Just watch it happen. You don't even have to try to make it happen. You just serve God faithfully and watch and see what God will do. All right. So he says, whose damsel is this? First of all, let me draw you the picture. This is Boaz. There is no such thing as middle class in biblical times. This is the wealthiest man in all of Bethlehem. And she's a pauper. There's no reason for him to ask. It would be like saying to a, a pauper in the field, the owner, uh, whose damsel is this? Uh, what family does she belong to? Who is she? All right. The reason he is asking this is because he is seeing her labor. And most of all, because God is giving her uncommon favor. Uncommon favor. Say with me, uncommon favor. Say when you walk in Hesed, uncommon favor comes on your life. Say this with me. Hesed will bring promotion for your devotion. Hesed will bring, hallelujah, uncommon favor into your life. Hallelujah. It's unusual. It would never happen that Boaz would come into the field at that hour because the Bible says, behold, Boaz came into the field. This is not the time that Boaz always comes. Number two, he's going to inquire about her. And the reason he's going to inquire is he's going to promote her. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And so the Bible is going to tell us here, watch this, watch this. Hallelujah. And Boaz said to his servants that were over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant answered and that was over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Notice how he's kind of belittling Ruth in the eyes of Boaz, but that didn't move Boaz at all. Here he is a very important man. He is the one over the reapers. He is the most important man in Boaz's field. And when he inquires about, uh, about Ruth, he says Moabitish woman. Okay, that he could have said, this is the relative of Naomi, but he didn't. 
He said it's the Moabitish woman. He didn't even say it's the Moabite. In other words, he is giving her character traits and personality profile like the typical Moabite woman that has a very bad reputation with Israel. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. But turn to your neighbor and say, when it's your season, when it's your time, it doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter what they try to do against you. God is going to open the doors. And when it's your time, nothing can stop the blessing that God has ordained for your life. Are you with me? Hallelujah. People better get excited about Pentecost because we're almost there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here we see, beloved saints, oh, glory to God. And so the Bible says, and the servant that was said, as you see, verse 7, and she said, I pray you, this is him speaking about what Ruth said to the head man over the reapers. He's giving an excuse. And he says, she said to me, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came. And she has continued from the morning even till now. And she also tarried a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, can you imagine? He is going to leave his great position, go down into the field to a pauper and speak to her. Why didn't he just tell the man that is the head of the reapers to go and give the message to Ruth? That's another miracle. He could have assigned this man who was his foreman, just go and tell her she's, she's coming up and I'm going to give her the best place in the field. But he didn't. He went himself. This is a miracle. It's uncommon favor. Say it with me, uncommon favor. That's the kind of favor that God gives to us when we walk in Hesed. That is the kind of favor that God gives. Hallelujah. He brings promotion for our devotion, and somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us here, beloved saints, he went to her and then Boaz said to Ruth, did you not hear my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from here, but abide here fast near my maidens and let your eyes be on the field that they do reap and go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. So in other words, what Boaz is saying is, you're going to have all the perks that the reapers have. You are going to be able to go into the house, drink as much as you want, eat whatever you want, and you're going to be considered as a hired reaper. You're going to be able to have privileges and rights. You are not going to be treated like a pauper. Somebody ought to say my destiny is about to come, and God is about to put me in my true place. Hallelujah. You have been in a place that was not ordained for you, but as you walk in Hesed, God is about to to put you in a place, hallelujah, a promotion for your devotion. And somebody ought to give God the praise. Yeah. 
gosh, she's getting all these perks. Now, again, there's not one word about what Ruth looks like. Now, when we study Esther, we know she was beautiful. All right, when we study about Sarah, same thing, the matriarchs of Israel, the Bible doesn't pull any punches. But in this case, she's the mystery lady. You know why? Because the Bible wants us to know she had nothing. It was nothing in the flesh. It was all the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God the praise. It was all God's blessing. It was all divine providence. It was all doors of destiny that God is opening. Hallelujah. When the last time she heard this, now Ruth's overwhelmed. Notice what she says. Verse 10. Then she fell on her face. She's falling on her face before Boaz. And she fell and bowed herself to the ground and said, why have I found Hesed in your eyes? That you should take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger. Turn to your neighbor and say, uncommon favor. Say, get ready. For someone to take knowledge of you that God has ordained in your life, you're not going to understand why. You're not going to understand why this door was opened in your life, but I'm prophesying it into the atmosphere. I believe and I decree in the name of Jesus that every person that is here tonight, that something is going to happen, that God is going to cause a Boaz-like person in your life to release favor, uncommon favor in your life not for anything that you have done but it's God almighty that has done it so you can't say they recognize me for my talent or they recognize me for my incredible position or they saw how great I preached or they saw how great I sang or they saw how great I did the work or they saw how great I am I want you to know it is going to have nothing to do with anything outwardly it's going to have to do with God's divine favor and somebody ought to give God the praise Hallelujah. Oh, glory. And the Bible says, as we look, and the Bible says she, she's overwhelmed. And Boaz answered and said to her, it's fully been shown to me. All that you have done unto your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left father and mother and the land of your nativity, and you are come to a people that you did not know heretofore. Say this with me. It's time to reap what you've sown, but much more than what you've sown. Say the reaper is going to overtake the sower. Somebody ought to say you're going to reap much more than what you've sown. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. And here we see, here we see that he says to her, the Lord recompense your work and a full reward be given to you by the God of Israel under whose wings you are come to trust. Then she said, let me find Hesed in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me 
For you have spoken, this word should be kindly. You have spoken kindly in my sight, my Lord, and you have comforted me, the scripture says. And I will not be, and uh, that though I be not like one of your handmaidens. And Boaz said to her at mealtime, now watch this. He said, at mealtime, come up here and eat of the bread and dip your morsel in the vinegar. Now watch this. And she sat beside the reapers. And she reached her parched corn, and, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and she was sufficed and left. I want you to see, dear people of God, what is happening here. When the Bible says she sat among the reapers, do you know who the reapers are? Obviously, the reapers are the hired workers. But the reapers are the individuals who have a, a, a place in this world. The reapers are those likened unto those in the kingdom that are reaping in souls, those that have gone before us like the generals in the body of Christ who have been reaping souls. Notice the Bible says she sat among the reapers. This is a prophetic parallel of a position of a place in heavenly places with Christ Jesus that you are going to start reaping. And this is your position that you are going to sit among the reapers you have been sowing you have been laboring and God is going to reward you for your labor and you ought to say my destiny is to sit among the reapers my destiny is to reap hallelujah somebody ought to praise God tonight continuing on beloved saints as Ruth now is sitting among the reapers say that's where I'm going to sit in the name of Jesus say my destiny is to sit among the reapers Hallelujah, because you're a reaper. Hallelujah. You're going to reap so many souls. You're going to reap such an anointing. You are going to reap, hallelujah, mighty things for the kingdom. Now, continuing in the context, we will see. Notice, when she was risen up to glean after she'd been in the house, verse 15, Boaz commanded his young men, and said, let her glean even among the sheaves. So now she's getting promoted and coming up even higher. Let her glean among the sheaves and reproach her not. Let her do it. And let some of the handfuls of purpose, uh, let fall some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Hmm. He is saying, now watch this. What does this mean? Handfuls of purpose. All right. Handfuls of purpose are the actual, let me explain the laws. Okay. The laws, biblical laws of sowing and reaping, but particularly the laws during harvest. The laws of harvest were that every landowner was obligated under the Torah law that number one, the corners of their field, they could not, this is considered hefker. And hefker means they couldn't sow in the corner of their field. They couldn't reap in the corner of their field. They had to let whatever grew of its own accord that God allowed to grow from their field. And it was for the poor. They couldn't touch it. The poor didn't have to ask, hi, can I come into your field and glean from your corners? It was theirs, 
as because the land of Israel belonged to everybody. Okay, it was God's special gift. And also, in order for their harvest to be blessed, they had to give the corners of the field to God. And by giving it to the poor, they were giving it to God. Okay, so they couldn't touch it. That is called paya. Can you say that with me? Paya. Okay, then we have laws of Laket. Laket is not the same as paya. Laket is when a hired reaper, somebody who's going in the field, you've been paid by the landowner. You're a professional reaper. You have the special tools to cut the, the harvest, and you go down and you cut it, and you're carrying it in your hand. And if, because it's very common with the winds, some of it falls out of your hand, can't pick it up. Cannot, if you're a reaper, you can't pick it up. Do you know why? Because behind you, God ordered the paupers that they could pick it up because God made it fall. It's all about providence. Say this with me. It's all about providence. Say this with me. It's God's eyes on the field. So if we're going to be like God, we have to first of all understand his hesed. If we say we love God and we want to be like God, then we need to learn how to love like God love. All right. And so here we see, beloved saints, this order that this is the law. This is called Laket, that they would pick it up. They would carry it off and just say, as they're carrying it, they've got so much wheat in their hand. And, you know, wheat is easy to drop. It's not you know, a stalk of wheat you can just drop to the ground, just a little breeze or walking fast or uh, tying it up and some fell to the ground while you tied it up. God made it fall. God made it drop. And so the paupers would be standing off a few feet away waiting for it to fall. Now guess what Boaz just ordered? He said, drop it to the ground. Don't let heaven just drop it. I'm ordering you to let some handfuls of purpose fall to the ground so she can pick it up. You're going to let abundance fall in the ground so that she can get it. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? Say, this is the season that God is ordering heavenly laquette in my path. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Say this with me, heavenly Laquette is falling before me, and God is ordering it right from heaven. I speak it over your life right now, that God is going to order blessings to fall right in front of you. They're not coming by your works. They're not coming by your righteousness. They are coming by your actions of mercy and kindness. God is going to open this door for you, and you ought to give God the praise. Say, this is all during this 49 days of destiny. Say, get ready for Laquette to just fall in front of you. Let's just say that prayer right now. Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus, we release heavenly Laquette. Oh, God. Ruth was a widow. 
Stand up, honey. Ruth was a widow. Ruth was a widow. Somebody needs to get behind her. Ruth was a widow. God is saying heavenly laquette is going to fall right in your path, and you're going to pick it up, woman of God. You're going to find the blessings of heaven to fall in your path because God knows your sorrow as a, as a widow and he is watching over you. Say this with me. Shavuot is also a time for widows. So all the mothers that are raising children by themselves, that don't have a husband, it doesn't matter if they died or they spiritually or emotionally died. God is going to provide for you, heavenly laquette. Oh, Gabasha Karabasida. Oh, Babasha Kalabara Basida Basada Basada. Mary, God's just going to provide it either way because the Lord's your husband, but He's going to provide it for you. And He wants you to know it. He wants you to know it. Put your hands up. Oh, God, the Lord says you are a Naomi. Hasaka, stand to your feet. You are a Naomi. You lost your son. God is saying, Shavuot, I'm going to bless you. God is saying, I'm going to pour down the windows of heaven, and you shall know my divine providence. Here's your word. God is saying to you, woman of God, he is a restorer of your life and a nourisher, a reverser of your age. Hallelujah, of your older age. He's going to take care of you. Ruth 4.15. That's your, that's your scripture. Say it with me, Ruth 4.15. That's my destiny. Somebody should praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God the praise and give God the glory. Somebody should shout the victory in this house. There's miracles happening in this house. Hallelujah. I speak it for every, every person, every person. All right, I have to do this. I want every woman in this place or man who has lost a child, they went to heaven before you. Would you stand if there's any? Mama Ruth, you, uh, Mama, Mama Lupe, you need to stand. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Someone go put their hands on Mama Lupe. Just put your hands, Pastor Sanjay. Hallelujah. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Everyone who's gone through the loss of a child, the loss of a child like Naomi, you buried your child before you were buried. My Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus, my dear, dear sister. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine what that's like. 
Only God knows. But he brought you here tonight to let you know he knows your sorrow. And he's with you. Wonderful Jesus, comfort her in her affliction. Comfort her and let her know, Lord, that you are going to pull her through and that you are going to bring her through to the other side. And we release the Boaz blessing right now, Father God, on every widow in this place and every mother in this place that lost her son the same way Naomi lost Malon and Gilead in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, just give God the praise and give God the glory because God's doing it. God's doing it. Get ready for double portion. Say this with me. I'm getting ready for double. Hallelujah. Here we see we're almost done here. All right. So Boaz ordered that the gleaners he, he commanded them. He does it twice because he wants to make sure his order is followed out. And let handfuls, let fall also handfuls of purpose for her and leave them. Don't you dare pick them up. That, they, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Because she's a pauper and she's a stranger. She's from Moab. She could get a little persecuted in that field. But he's telling them right now, don't you dare do that. I'm giving you the orders. The foreman isn't giving you the orders. The owner of the field is giving the orders, the blessing. The owner of the field is giving the orders for the blessing for Ruth. And God is saying God himself is giving the orders for your blessing to fall in front of you. And you ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. And here we see saints. Hallelujah. Continuing in the context. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned and she brought forth. Now, closing. Go with me to Ruth, chapter 3. We are going to see in Ruth, chapter 3, a prophetic parallel of Christ and the church. We are going to see the role of the Holy Spirit. With the bride, what we're about to see is happening on Pentecost. Hallelujah. Notice, chapter 3, verse 1, And Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? And now, is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens you were, a winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor? Wash yourself, therefore, anoint you, put raiment on you, get down to the floor, and make yourself not known to the man until he is done eating and drinking. Now, wait a minute. This is a very provocative commandment. She is telling Ruth to do something that is very unusual and something highly provocative. But we are going to see that though it's provocative, it's not immodest at all. He is giving her, she is giving her something to do because it's actually going to be Pentecost. This is the day of the threshing of the barley harvest. That means it's the last day of the barley harvest. It's the 49th day and the morning is Pentecost. Hello, did you hear me? I said the morning is Pentecost. 
Now, notice she said, is not Boaz, going back to verse, to verse 3, or excuse me, to verse 1. The Bible says, is not, oh, verse 2 says, is not now Boaz of our kindred. All right. Notice that Boaz is not just called their kin, but Boaz is called a kinsman. Notice we have it in chapter 2, verse Verse 1, the Bible says, And Elimelech had a kinsman whose name was Boaz, a mighty man of wealth. Kinsman. The word kinsman in the Hebrew here throughout the book of Ruth is not the word only a person that's related as Naomi is referring to him as a kin, closest of kin, but the word a kinsman actually is the word, the same word for redeemer. It is the same word as redeemer. And it's actually the noun instead of the verb. The verb is to redeem, geula. And the very word for, in noun form is used for redeem, a, a, a redeemer. That's, that's who he is. He's a redeemer. He's a redeeming bridegroom. Can you say this with me? A redeeming bridegroom. Now he is going to, this whole thing is not just so that Boaz will recognize her. It's because a business negotiation has not been made and it should have been. Okay. Boaz should have taken the responsibility to already redeem R Ruth and Naomi. Naomi, by purchasing the fields that her husband and her, uh, her husband owned, but he didn't. And the reason he didn't is that there was a nearer kinsman. He was waiting for the nearer kinsman to perform his duty, and the nearer kinsman did not. But Naomi knows that it's supposed to be Boaz, not the other kinsman. She's arranging what they call in Hebrew a shidduch. Shidduch means a marriage. Okay? She, she knows that the nearer kinsman who had the responsibility to redeem Naomi by buying and purchasing the properties of Elimelech, so she is redeemed and taken care of, and the responsibility to redeem Ruth, he did not do. So he was waiting for the other kinsmen to do the responsibility. But Naomi is going to put things into motion. And she is saying, she's arranging, and she is telling Ruth to get ready as if she was a bride. She is giving her bridal instructions. I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to understand that Ruth is a type of bride of Christ. Ruth is a type of bride and Boaz is a type of Christ. And I want you to know that the instructions that are being given in Ruth chapter 3 verse 3, the Bible says, wash yourself, therefore anoint you, put raiment on you, hallelujah, and get down to the floor. These are four different st supernatural steps of the work of the Holy Ghost preparing the bride. Hallelujah. Preparing the bride to be united to Christ. Because the next day she's going to marry Boaz. And so therefore, what does it mean when the Bible says here, wash yourself? 
let me just tell you a little bit about the Azusa Street Revival and the Bride of Christ and the Holy Ghost and William Joseph Seymour. All right, this concept of wash yourself is sanctification. Now, in the days, I want you to understand we're coming near Pentecost, and Pentecost is extremely important to us. Come June 5th, I would say if I were you, I would not miss that service. If I were you, not just because it's going to be a great service, because it's a date. It's a date. It's June 5th. It's Pentecost. Do not treat it like it's any other day. Do not lower the kedusha of that day. Prepare yourself in advance for Pentecost. We are not only preparing for it as a biblical feast, but we are preparing for it because we're waiting for the power of the Spirit to fall on this generation again. Now, I want to tell you a little something about William Joseph Seymour because he believed that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was that the Holy Ghost was to prepare the church as the bride. And he believed that the purpose of baptism in the Holy Ghost was to prepare the church to be completely sold out to God. And the work he believed was called the second work of grace, sanctification. Now, I want to tell you just a moment about it so that tonight as we close, we can receive that anointing and prepare. All right, William Joseph Seymour, I want you to understand who he is. Everybody knows him associated with Azusa. But first, if you don't know what Azusa is, you're not going to really understand who the vessel was. Okay, Azusa was not just a revival. Azusa brought Pentecost to the last century not just to the last, to their generation. Through Azusa, the word Pentecostal came into being. Before Azusa, that term Pentecostal was not coined among Christians. This is why when you see the picture of the Azusa Street Mission, how many of you have ever seen that? It says Apostolic Faith Mission, doesn't it? Because Pentecostal wasn't used yet. So it says apostolic faith mission. Because William Joseph Seymour is going to bring Pentecost not to a generation, but to a century and to the world. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, I want you to understand Azusa. There are so many spiritual secrets about Azusa. The most powerful secret about Azusa was in a time of blatant segregation. Laws of segregation in the United States, because why? William Joseph Seymour was born in 1870. He was the son of slaves. The Civil War just ended. He was the son of Louisiana slaves. And he is a product of the Wesleyan movement. Okay, the Wesleyan movement was the holiness movement. 
before Pentecost came to the earth, before in, in the generation. In other words, Pentecost came to the earth in the upper room, but all those generations of Christianity, we do not have records of Pentecost. We have gifts of the Spirit, but we don't have a Pentecost speaking in tongues. Do you all understand? Okay, so the generations, plural, that the, the Wesleyan movement was started by John Wesley, and it was a very strong sanctification movement, very strong holiness movement. John Wesley, his father was an Anglican pastor in the Church of England, and his brother Charles Wesley, they both went to Oxford, and they completely dedicated themselves to Christ. And they began what was called the Holiness Club in Oxford. And they did works of mercy. They helped the poor. They used their wealth, their prestige, and their influence to help the poor. And they began a great movement. And through John Wesley, who's the most famous preacher in England, he's got to be the most important besides George Whitfield. John Wesley is the number one historical preacher in England, in, in, in Britain's history. And Britain, the Brits produced the greatest revivalists that we've ever known. So we need to pray for Britain. We need to pray for UK to have that revival again because they produced Reese Hell. They produced the Jeffrey brothers. They produced John and Charles Wesley. They produced George Whitfield. The, the list goes on and on. They produced George Muller, even though he was from uh, Germany. They produced, uh, they, they, they produced all these revivalists that started revival in the world. So we're praying for the Brits to get the anointing. Can you do that? Okay, so the holiness movement was so strong, and it was a, a work of sanctification. It was a work of total separation from the world. It was a great, great movement, and it was a very strong movement. All right, so William Joseph Seymour was a, was belonged to that holiness movement. And so, therefore, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of little intricate things. He belonged to the holiness movement, but because segregation was so strong in the United States, when he wanted to study about the baptism in the Holy Ghost, because Charles Fox Parham was teaching it, the, the ones who began the Pentecostal movement really were not chosen by God to leave the revival. Because why? Charles Fox Parham did not allow, did not allow William Joseph Seymour into that class. And I think Christianity ought to shut the doors on Charles Fox Parham. Because he did not allow um, uh, William Joseph Seymour into that class. He had to sit outside and listen to the class. But I'm so glad he did. Because you know why? William Joseph Seymour was known to be one of the humblest, meekest men. He held no grudges. And actually, when he went um, to other places to work, he got smallpox and he got blinded in one eye and had smallpox scars all over his face. A one-eyed black preacher who got locked out of a seminar. Holy Ghost says, Phew. 
that's the one. That's the one that's going to lead the world in revival. That's the one that I am choosing to bring the greatest revival in history to the earth. It is William Joseph Seymour. Are you talking about the segregation stuff, Dr. Corral? Because guess what? When Azusa began, it was integrated. Everybody came. And those who were not African-American, hallelujah, who were white people, chose a black pastor. Hello, somebody. Can I tell it like it is? Can I tell it like it is? Can I say the truth? They wanted the Holy Ghost so much, the Holy Ghost was moving. It was the greatest move of God because of why? The Holy Spirit wants to cross denominations and the Holy Spirit wants to cross race. Hello, somebody, are you with me? So in the days of the miracles of Azusa, when the greatest miracles were taking place, they all fellowship together. And child of God, it was not easy in that building. That was a dilapidated building and sometimes thousands of people, they'd be outside and inside. And in the summer when it's 106 outside and there's no air conditioning and no bathrooms and outhouse, sawdust on the floor, no air conditioning, don't even think about it. In Azusa, with miracles, and the, the services would start early in the morning and end in wee hours of the morning. So they'd go on for 12 and 13 hours. Hello, somebody, are you with me? If you are, say amen. All right. And so the power of God would move so strong. And Joseph Seymour said, this is, this is why God used him so mightily. He never wanted to grieve the Holy Spirit by being angry, by being resentful, or having strife. But he was a stickler on sanctification. That was his whole theology. The theology of Azusa Street was that baptism in the Holy Spirit is the second work of grace that gives the believer a supernatural power to commit one's life to go forth in service for the gospel around the world. And this is why Azusa started producing missionaries immediately as fruit. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And so, in the middle of the revival, some terrible things happened. For example, when Bishop Seymour, Apostle Seymour, went to go preach in another place, a William Durham, who was an evangelist preacher, very famous, came in there, and he started bringing the doctrine that was preaching against against the second work of grace through baptism in the Holy Ghost that you just received it all when you were saved. 
and it totally came in to, he tried to turn the doctrine that was being taught by William Joseph Seymour. And so a division happened. But I want you to know that Apostle Seymour was a man of God and stopped that doctrine. Now I want you to know, if you study the works of the Holy Spirit, you will find out that, doc that William Joseph Seymour had it right. That the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to sanctify the believer to live a godly life, to sanctify the believer to give everything in that believer's life to God and to go forth in the world to the, all the world to preach the gospel, to give everything that we have. That is why the baptism in the Holy Ghost was given. And the evidence that he's been given is the speaking with tongues and the miraculous manifestation. But that's just the evidence of the work of grace that was done through receiving the baptism. Are you with me? Hallelujah. William Joseph Seymour died of a broken heart. He didn't know all the fruit of his life. He did not know that out of Azusa would come the church of God in Christ, would come the denomination of the assemblies of God, would come every Pentecostal denomination and later the Charismatics. Now, the reason Azusa went sour was they got, went back to segregation. They didn't follow their father in Christ, his doctrine. They didn't follow. I'm going somewhere with this because I wouldn't say it if I didn't see it happen again. Okay, they stopped the move of the Holy Ghost. William Joseph Seymour said that the only thing that he never wanted to do was grieve the Holy Spirit through anything he said or anything he ever did. This is why he was so careful to live such a holy life and to never allow strife. Now, in the 1970s, the charismatic renewal, the greatest move after Azusa, began with all Christians, began with unity. But guess what? They did exactly what happened at Azusa, only not with race, with denomination. They all went back to their denominations and became isolated in their denominations after the Holy Ghost already poured out. And they stopped the miraculous move of the Spirit. What does the charismatic renewal have to do with Pentecost? What in common do they have with Azusa besides speaking in tongues and the encounter with the Spirit of God, the unity that it has with Azusa is that the charismatic renewal produced missionaries. 
produced evangelists, produced people to go into all the world to preach the gospel. What are we missing now? We are missing now in this generation the total sold-out desire to go into all the world to preach the gospel. We only hear about it, but now we're going to receive it again. So stand to your feet tonight and raise your hands toward heaven. Raise up your hands. When Ruth was told by Naomi, wash yourself. It's a work of sanctification. Put raiment on you. Wash yourself, anoint you. Be consecrated for the call that God has on your life, the preparation for the bride. Put raiment on you. God wants to adorn us with the gifts of the Spirit and adorn us. The bride adorned, equipped and ready to go out. Get down to the floor, that separated call, the work of separation on the threshing floor. Separating the wheat from the chaff. Raise your hands toward heaven and begin to start praying in tongues. God, raise up another Azusa. God, raise up love in the body of Christ that will never be segregated. God, raise up in the body of Christ love. God, raise up evangelists, pastors, teachers, those that will go into all the world to preach the gospel. And Holy Spirit, prepare us for Pentecost, that we, Lord God, after we have gone through Pentecost, will receive a desire to go into all the world and do what God has called us to do, no matter what the cost, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.